this is the most convenient way to to be with be with you guys in Chicago. So uh, this is my blessing to be with you. Um, I I know I don't see anybody's faces, but I'm, I'm assuming you guys can hear me well, Abuna. We can hear you. Okay. 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 Um, uh, I, I, I know it's, it's, it's late for you guys as well. I just wanted to share something, uh, tonight, um, that kind of really resonated with me that I, I shared with our church family in Atlanta tonight is this. If you can see my screen, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, well, it's okay. Even if you know, if you don't, it's okay. I'll kind of explain. There's a visual that I have on my screen that shows like all these funky like rainbows kind of going back and forth. This is something I stole from, from a Bible scholar. His name is Jordan Peterson. And I saw this uh, online last week and it really stuck out to me. He was connecting a common thread between all the cross references that we see in the Bible. And why I point this out is like right now, Unfortunately, we cannot be praying in a physical church and we cannot be overwhelmed by all the visuals and the ethos of the church for us to be engaged as we walk with Christ every day, every hour leading to, to his resurrection. But what, what is being more now than ever is our focus on the readings. All right. We're, we're putting more focus on the, uh, on the readings just because of the nature of how things are online and something that's easy for all of us is to say, oh, the readings, like, you know, I don't even understand what we're reading. Let's just get through the readings. I can't even pronounce every other word. And we kind of just, you know, fly through it or this this is kind of weird. Or we say, oh, that's the Old Testament. You know, I don't like that, 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 like that's not the important stuff. We should be focusing on the New Testament. And we kind of just passively read through, especially the prophecies and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of just like one ear and out the other and just keep on moving on, just keep on sliding through. And, and, and we just go through that. But I, I want us to see the Bible through a completely different lens. I want for me to see the Bible through a completely different lens this week and beyond. We see the Bible. We think of the Bible. We think, oh, yeah, the Bible. Yeah, something I need to read every day. Yeah, I should read it, blah, blah, blah. And we keep on going, Jesus loves me this. I know for the Bible tells me so. And that, that that's our view of the Bible. But the reality is the, how I want us to look at it is the Bible is a, a, a library of books of a wide array of different literature, of poetry, of wisdom, of first eyewitnesses of Christ, such a wide array of different literature styles, and but all connected with a common thread of this being a love story. This is a love narrative. This is a narrative between between the divine and humanity. It's a love story. And 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 and, and this is our view. This should be the lens of how we look at the entire uh, collection of manuscripts and books as what we know today being called the Bible. There was an early Christian father by the name of St. Augustine, and he said this, the New Testament lies hidden in the old. The New Testament lies hidden in the old. And the old is unveiled in the new. Okay, let me repeat that again, and then I will we'll expand upon it. The New Testament lies hidden in the old. And the old is unveiled in the new. If I look at the Old Testament, I say, yeah, that's uh, some really nice Jewish uh, stories. And and and, and we kind of look at it in an isolated way. Maybe we know the story of Moses. We know the story of Abraham. We know it since fifth grade. And we kind of just keep it at that. But it becomes alive when I look at it through the lens of the New Testament. 
So like early Christians understood the, 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 the beautiful connection between the Old and the New Testament. They understood how it fitted so perfectly together. This is why in the year 380, they were so adamant about binding the Jewish Torah with the New Testament. Like they knew the life that they experienced with Christ and how this completely rocked world history, but they also saw how this completes this Jewish uh, manuscripts or, or, or this Jewish Bible and they can put the two together. And this is what we know today as being the Bible. This morning, for those who attended or read along this morning, the very first hour of the very first uh, morning of Holy Week, of, of Monday morning, the very first reading came from Genesis 1-1. Like for us to know where we're going throughout this entire week, where we're wanting to go, and if we know our end destination is what occurred very early Sunday morning, we have to know where we're beginning. Like to know where we're going, we have to know where we're beginning, just like on a GPS. So today, this morning, we placed a pin on our final destination. Our final destination begins with the very first page of 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 the Bible that we see this beautiful intimate bond between humanity and the Holy Trinity, this very vulnerable, this very intimate bond that existed between the divine and humanity, and and this this is where we're ending up going. Where our desire is to be restored back to that image, and this is our path that we're leading into. This, so bear with me for a second. Humanity, if you, if you look at my screen, in the beginning of humanity. There was a unitary thinking between between humanity and God and the Trinity. Unitary thinking is not like a singular way of thinking. It's like everything was in unity between us and the Trinity. Everything was in unity between us and God. The way they worked, their marriage, every aspect of their life was in unison with God. That was our original design from the divine designer. That was our original design. But when we decided to abuse our free will, when we decided to abuse the divine love that God has has given us out of his love and respect for us, when we abuse that, all of a sudden we became dualistic thinking. Dualistic thinking is something all of us kind of can relate to. You know what? I can do this whole church thing. I can do this whole God thing. I can do this whole Jesus thing, you know, by coming to church on Sunday, by like cracking open the Bible. I can I can pray. I can do that. I can do that church thing, but I still want to do my own thing. Or I still want to do this sin. I want to do this habit. I still want to have this relationship. I want to do my own thing here. But I can, I can still do the whole Christian thing. Dualistic thinking. We became like distorted. And we can't. We kind of moved away from unitary thinking. But what makes Jesus such a big deal and what makes this week such a big deal and what makes this Sunday such a big deal is that he came to restore. He restored our dualistic thinking for it to be restored back to this unitary thinking where every component of who I am is in unison with the love of God the Father. This is our restoration. But right now, we have a dualistic thinking and we desire to continue to be restored. And this is why we continue to pursue Jesus. And this is why we continue to be restored and for us to be healed. And this is why we embrace Jesus because he came to say, I have come to make all things new. He came to restore us. We see this in our prayers and our ancient faith prayers. Think of the conclusion of Egbeah. We said, we said, Lord, ease our minds, cleanse us from every, every, like all our prayers are there to restore and to, to bring everything back in sync. Uh, to our unitary thinking, our, our, our oneness with God. Now with our dualistic thinking, and what caused the dualistic thinking is the one who divides us, the Diablo, the, the devil. He d- divided us away from this this oneness 
with God. Now with our dualistic thinking, we take our logic now to explain who God is. We take our logic to explain who God is. So now our logic is limited, but we use our limitedness to describe or articulate who the unlimited is. This is why all of a sudden we say, oh, that's the God of the Old Testament, or that's God of the New Testament, or this is, or, or this is God giving, or the whole coronavirus is because of God's wrath. We decide to, to put God into a formula, into an algebra formula of saying, oh, because X occurred, that means God is trying to do Y. And we tried to put everything into a formula because we've moved away from this unitary thinking with God and we do dualistic thinking. Now, my logic is what drives everything. My logic is what will determine if I'm going to pursue the uncreated being or not. And then we say, well, God is angry. And we have this image and we just we start using our language. Language is by itself limited. We start articulating our limited language to describe who God is. Listen to this beautiful quote by, by, by St. Gregory the Theologian. Listen to what he has to say. According to the scriptures, God grows angry. Something is presented here which does not exist in reality. In accordance with our own understanding, we have given names to the characteristics of God which are derived from ourselves. Our limited language now starts describing God. Now, when we read that King David, when, when, when King David wrote down of God's anger or his wrath, we have an image that comes to mind. Sometimes when we think of anger, we, we, a certain image comes to mind, maybe a certain facial expression, maybe, unfortunately, maybe a certain person comes to mind. Now we transfer that on us describing who God is. When we say God's anger and, and we start painting a picture, of what that looks like. But in reality, if I look at the of the, the original expression, original language of how King David wrote the, the, his poetry and his, his musical composition to God, the anger is, like if, if I look at the literal translation is, oh, like have you, if you remember your parents ever being upset with you and you do something wrong, they'll be like, oh, that's literally, that's literally expression. Then when we upset God, He's like, Ugh. again, Father Nathaniel. And th- this is this is his expression of anger. But we like to paint God into a certain picture. And once we do that, then then all of a sudden, us reading all of scripture becomes dry, becomes dry. By the way, even when we use the word Bible, the, the word Bible is, is, is a collection, it's a library. But when we say the word scripture, this is what's tangible. This is what's flesh. This is what's applicable. This is what's life is scripture. This is what we desire to apply. Now we're not, we're not just reading history. We're not just reading dry text. We're looking to apply it to our lives. So now our dualistic thinking is what separates us from God. And this is where our logic starts driving things. This is where we start painting a picture of who God is. My, my prayer that I, I, I told our church here in Atlanta and our, my prayer for, for you throughout this week and beyond is this. Let us approach life with a Christocentric lens. What do I mean by that? If we are pursuing the one who overcame death by his own death, if this is who we're trying to pursue, don't we say in every line of the gospel, for you are the hope of us all, the life of us all, salvation of us all, the resurrection of us all. If this is who we are trying to pursue, if this is the one who we are walking every step with, if, is this the one who we are saying yours is the power, yours is the glory, then he should be the lens of how we look at everything. 
So as we continue to read all the prophecies and like, let's not just read it as dry. Let's not just kind of like this pass through or whatever. Let's not look at it that way. Let's now put on the lens of the one who is the fullness of humanity, the fullness of, of divinity and humanity. Let's look at it through his lens. Let's see how he completes this love narrative, this love story, and the, these collection of books, which we know today as being known as the Bible. Let us approach life with a Christocentric lens. Second thing I want us to do, let us approach life unitarily. We're being, we're, we're being torn on so many different sides, either with issues, with sins, with, with, with relationships, with different components that are pulling us. Let us align every aspect of who we are back with God. Let us continue to, to, to pursue to being back in the Garden of Eden with the love of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what we desire. Is that unit is to go back to, to, to fight that dualistic approach of us being torn for us to be restored back to God. Even when we say, Lord, have mercy, like even the Greek, eleos, when we say, kiria eleison, this, 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 the, the, when we're saying is, Lord, heal us with this holy oil, restore us, eleos is oil, Lord, restore us, soothe our, our wounds, anything that is, that is torn or broken in our life, we desire it to be restored back with oil. Like, so every time we say, Lord, have mercy, sometimes it's, we just say it so, so much that it becomes watered down in our heart. But Lord, we're, we're asking to, to, for, for his holy oil to, 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 to heal any wounds within us, for us to continue to, to realign back to his love. Let us approach life with a crystal-centric lens. Let us approach life unitarily. And then finally, let us approach life in a doxological beings. Let us approach life as doxological beings. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we're lost for words on what to say. And even right now, when we were praying the evening litanies, we're praying, like it, some, it's, let's face it, prayer is hard. Prayer in church is hard. Prayer at home is 10 times harder. But the church is trying to guide us and to pray for things and people bigger than ourselves. And then we're called to worship the one who is unlimited. This is who we, even the word worship is who we give worth to. So sometimes when we're lost for words, what's the words that we keep on saying with such simplicity of mind and heart? The words that we say as we walk with Christ every step. Lord, yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Yours is the blessing. Yours is the majesty. Lord, you are majestic. You are beyond any words I can. I don't want to articulate who you are by my limited words. But what I am called to do is to worship you. Doxological being. You are created to be a doxological being. I'm created to be a doxological being. The word doxeba is glory to. So we're giving glory to him. And this is how I can realign myself. And this is my prayer for, for us, that, that as we continue to, to, to pray and worship together this week, that I look at every reading, not in, a, not in a, just a dry historical way, but in an applicable way. How can I give it flesh? How can I make it tangible? How can I make it incarnational to my life? I have to look at it through the lens of God and incarnate. I have to have this Christocentric lens and I have to approach life unitarily. That I, that every part of me that, that, that's kind of being torn, I, I need to realign it back and realign every aspect of my, of, of, of my being to pursue his love. And then I have to approach life as a doxological being that I give worth to the one who has my life in the palm of his hand. This is who I desire. 
This is who I continue to give worth to. This is who I continue to worship in every aspect. But even though when I'm lost for words, I continue to say yours is the, yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Yours is the blessing. Yours is the majesty. Who am I giving this worth to? Who am I praising? God with us. Emmanuel, our God and King. This is who I give worth to. That the, that God putting on skin. This is who I give worth to. Who do I give worth to? Who, who's the, who, who the power and the glory do? This uncreated being who is my Lord Jesus Christ. This should be our focus as we continue to walk and take every step with Christ leading to death, which we know is temporal because what we, we, what we yearn for is resurrection, is restoration because he is the life and salvation and hope and resurrection of us all. To him be all the glory forever. Amen. Thank forgive you, me, Abuna. Forgive man. me, guys. I know that was very short, but uh, I, 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 it's hard for me to speak too long. But any questions on any of that, or thoughts, or there's something people want to add? Please go ahead. Any questions in the group? Anyone on the Zoom can ask a question.